0: Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So choice and... Being chosen, David And watching the chosen and his children. Oh, watching the chosen there's so many chosen words we could use here, right? Yeah. The idea of Yeah, who's gonna take whose place and how this works. Even the the idea of David being chosen as king. So we're gonna dive into some of these topics today. We're gonna talk a little bit about the idea of family and passing things on to your kids. But you know, Alex, one of the things that happens is God chooses multiple people in the Bible, which I think creates a question for a lot of people, right?
1: Yeah, it becomes it becomes a theme, and you know this this podcast really is one of those notes from the cutting room floor because as much as I would have loved to have dug into this a lot deeper, like why does God choose David? Why right. does David then choose Solomon, not, for example, Absalom, or any of his other many children? The Yeah, is that how you say it? Adonija. It could be Adonijah. Maybe? I don't know.
0: I always always said Adonijah because I'm white. <laughs> in English. There you go.
1: They <laughs> anglicized that name really hard. Yep. Um,
0: but yeah, God it,
1: it becomes a theme in scripture. God chooses. God chooses this person or this group of people. And some of them are based on merit, like Noah, right? Noah, you're the only one following me. I'm going to choose you. Mm-hmm. And call you out of all these people who are not following me. That's I think that's um, Caleb too, right? Caleb, these people are not following me. I'm going to choose you. Right. But then some of them are like, seem so random, like Jacob. Yeah. I've chosen you, and you are now Israel, and I'm choosing this nation, the nation of Israel. Right. Even Abraham. Abraham, no merit. Just I'm going to call you out of yeah Babylon or yeah it wasn't yeah, just called cool. Babylon at or the, or yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, But then, then I even think specifically like Judah, like I'm going to call Judah as the tribe that's going to bear the Messiah. And Judah was not like a great dude. No. Like if I had to pick any of the other brothers, there's probably a few more that would come to mind before Judah, Mm -hmm. like Joseph maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But, but God chooses. So, so what do we do with that, Chris? What do we do with God choosing some people based on merit, but some people seeming somewhat random.
0: Well, I think one of the things that Paul's wrestling with you know in the book of Romans and elsewhere is there is this idea of God does choose people to ultimately serve his purposes, and that is a hard thing for us to deal with today, partly because we then apply that to our own individual lives, right. and we get so caught up in the predestination question, which isn't really the point of this podcast, but you if you think about it, one of the ways that I think about it is there's there's a need directly in front of, of God's, either God's plan or his redemptive history, something that's going to happen, and God is able to see down the line and make a decision based on that. And so he chooses people based on what he knows is going to come. Not necessarily from them, right, going back to the Jacob question. Jacob is chosen as the, he, but he's the second child of the two, mm-hmm. and he's chosen kind of out of the womb, which then I think the thing that we always get hung up on is why would he get chosen rather than the older brother Esau? What's the big deal? And I don't even know that that's the question. I think the, the bigger question is what does God see that we don't see? Why is this person being chosen that this person not? Because even David being chosen, yeah, he's a man after God's own heart and he's chosen by, by Samuel. But he's the seventh or eighth child, depending on how you read that passage in First Samuel. Uh, and then on top of that, he there's already a king with a son. And Jonathan seems to be a pretty good guy. Like, yeah. so there's no reason why necessarily David needs to be chosen. Saul's a mess, yes, but then you you jump from Saul, who's a total mess, to David, who isn't a good guy, but has this man after God's own heart idea. And then David's sons are just so far removed from it. So you start to ask the question, like, why? Why does someone get chosen? And I think really it's the question of God's got a plan that He's trying to accomplish that He's doing. And he's going to accomplish it through human beings, which seems ridiculous to me, right? There's a part of me that just thinks he doesn't need to work with us at all. Let him just do his thing. And, you know, in spite of us, he could just do all of these things. But for whatever reason, God keeps throughout the scripture, this part of this theme is he keeps choosing people to tell his story. You know, Noah's righteous. That makes sense. Jacob, not so righteous. That doesn't make sense. The idea that Israel becomes the nation doesn't make sense. Some of the examples that you're using on top of that, they don't make sense to me. So then I need to step back and just realize that the sovereignty of God is something that I need to trust. I don't have to fully understand it. I also don't even need to be one of the ones that's chosen in that sense to still right. be a part of the story and be like, amen, let's go.
1: Right, and I think there's, there's also a level of... Like God is calling all of us to something, right? so there's an element of choosing there. But then also, I think if we look at this today and we're like, well, God just chooses randomly, and why why didn't he choose me? And I think it's easy to then look at our own lives and say, well, we see other people either doing great things for the Lord or, you know, the whole um, God doesn't—we've heard that phrase—God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called— It's kind of like just let God use you and you might see people who seem to not have the qualifications being elevated in spiritual communities or even in not even not necessarily just spiritual communities, but whether it's political or social influence. But I think what's important to point out for us today is that every one of these people that were called were called to do something hard Mm -hmm. and called to do something for other people. And I think that's where we can get, like, mixed up today. It's like, why didn't God choose me to give me something, to give me some sort of elevated power, to give me some sort of elevated influence? Like, none of these people God is, you know, Moses isn't just called to, like, be a celebrity and to enjoy luxury. Like, Moses' life was really, really hard mm-hmm. after he was called. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, that hard life was not meant to make himself better, but to get God's people out of slavery. Sure you know, and Noah, same thing. Like, oh, God chose Noah because Noah was righteous. So there's righteousness in there, but then he had to do something really hard. He had to build a boat when everyone else was mocking him Mm -hmm. and why to save humanity to say, you know, so if you, if you want to be called and, you know, I think you can open your heart to God and you can be praying about that and say, God, I want to be chosen, Mm -hmm. you know, in a similar way. Open your heart to what God's calling you to do, accept that calling, but then be prepared, one, to do some really hard things, and two, your your calling or being chosen is not for you. Like, it's to bless. Like, they even it, the nation Israel, as God's chosen people, was not called to be God's chosen people just so they could be the greatest nation right. on earth. They were called to be a blessing to every nation. Did they do that? I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. And... So when you're when you're hoping or asking to be called, it's not just a like, I just want to be famous or I just want to be popular or I just want people to look at me. It's hard.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a couple of different avenues that would go down from that thought and it's a good one. And I think one is people always come to me and say, you know, I'm looking for my spouse. I'm looking for this person. Here's my list of, re- of requirements. And very rarely do they think about how they don't meet the requirements that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. There's this element of, If I'm going to follow God and do things the way that he would want me to do them, I will then become what I'm looking for. So quite often my advice to young adults or to, you know, students has been stop thinking about what you're looking for. Start becoming the person you're supposed to be. And that will, I don't want to say attract, because there's no guarantee that you're going to be attracted to, someone's going to be attracted to you necessarily. But there's there's this idea that when you are what you're supposed to be, then you're a part of what God's trying to accomplish, and you'll, you'll join up with it in that way. And then the second avenue that I'm, I'm kind of thinking about is, back to my, my point that I don't think I was making perfectly, but here's how I would say it. It's very easy to see God's will or God's plan once it is generations removed. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, Noah just woke up in the morning and just served the Lord for 500 years. He didn't, I don't think he ever thought, I'm going to be the one that saves humanity from a flood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what he was was he was faithful. He was exactly who he was supposed to be and God used him. You could say, well God chose him from the beginning. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally open to that. But but it's easy for us to look back on the Noah story and go, okay, God chose Noah. And I totally I'm all in. I'm I'm with mm-hmm. you and I that's that's a sure predestination whatever word you want to use there. Like I'm I'm all in, but I can't do that in my day and age right now. Like mm-hmm. I can't see things and say that person is destined for greatness or this person's destined for this, you know, pr- presidential elections surprise me more often than they don't. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that are just, wow, I did not necessarily see that coming or that, that blew my mind. And then I kind of freak out sometimes that I, what are the response, you know, what's the response to this going to be? And and specifically the last two elections have left me going, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in the middle of that, I'm going, but I trust God's will. I trust his plan. All I need to do is be faithful, and then he's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish, even through people who aren't doing what he wants them to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think a good a good parallel that I thought of, if you're thinking about calling or or what is God calling me to, or why don't I get called in the similar way? I think I think about Jesus and choosing his followers, yeah. his disciples, right? Like there were 12 men that he specifically called. And we know these guys' names. We know A lot of their stories. We know some of their histories and their occupations. Like these 12 guys become famous, for lack of a better term. And they're famous now, 2,000 years later, we all, if you say the Apostle Peter, even people who are fairly biblically illiterate have at least heard of that name. Mm -hmm. Um, So, man, like, I wish Jesus would choose me in that way. Also, we got to remember that Jesus also chose. 70 or 72, depending on which passage you're right, reading, right. whom he gathered and sent out, like they were also chosen, but we, all we know about them is at this one moment, Jesus gathered them and sent them out. And so for some of us today, we're like, man, I wish I was the spiritual figure that, you know, name any famous pastor, you know, Billy Graham, Chris Dukenberg, like any of those guys. <laughs> um, but maybe God is calling us as the, the 70 or the 72, like there is... Sure. That is a calling as well. And that is a uh, a choosing us to then go out. And again, he's choosing these guys not, he chooses these 12 guys not to be famous, but to give them a job that's really hard. And that job
0: is to then bless the world, bring the gospel to them. Yeah, I'm just still thinking about being put at the same <laughs> level of Billy Graham. That's a huge that's a huge I just, honor. I Alex. just
1: thought of the two most famous pastors I know, and that's <laughs> what came to the top of my head. You need more friends. Charles oh, Spurgeon. Yeah. Charles L. Moody, Christopher Stukenberg. Yeah. I'll throw Mark Ballmer in there. He's pretty sure. famous.
0: Why not? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think even going to that, I think sometimes I think I would have been one of the 12 or I would have been one of the 70 or I would have been one of the 120 that are in the upper room in Acts. I don't know that that's true and it doesn't really matter. All I need to worry about right now is what I'm doing, how I'm following the Lord, what that looks like. You know, uh, when I think about the new Testament, there's also this defining of what chosen means that starts to shift a little bit. Cause and part of what I'm thinking there is in the old Testament specifically back to that redemption history idea, You've got God choosing Noah, choosing Jacob, choosing Abraham, choosing, you know, Judah. And you start to go through this and you go, look what God's doing. There's this redemptive history that he's telling. But that redemptive history all leads us to Jesus. Once Jesus does what he does and raises from the grave and fixes everything and makes everything right and then promises one day he's going to return and really make it once and for all done, there's this New Testament concept that starts to pop up of Peter and Paul saying things like "You are a chose, you're chosen, you're this, you're that," mm-hmm. and so I know you were, you know, you were thinking about First Peter two nine in this regard, the idea of of people being chosen. But what's interesting about that is this is sort of that shift where no longer is it Israel that's just the chosen people; right. it's much bigger than that.
1: Right. And what are we chosen for? Right. To to do God's
0: will, to obey Him,
1: and and then share His gospel with others to make disciples. So right. Okay. So uh, also what we want to talk about in this podcast is, you know, the, the theme of the sermon was moving forward by passing back. Mm-hmm. I wonder, did David pass on that man after God's own heart to his children? Uh, you know, maybe Solomon, Solomon definitely started out really well, but then David's other children, he had quite a few rebellious children and some some children that weren't following him. Uh, so I don't know. How how do we take that? Like mm-hmm. here you have David man after God's own heart. He he's gotta be a pretty good guy. Did he fail in passing it to his children? Is, is that his fault? Is that his children's fault for being rebellious? Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, Solomon started out really well, but Solomon ends really poorly. Did Solomon pass on, you know, if David passed that on to Solomon, right. Solomon obviously didn't
0: pass it on to his children. Right. Yeah, I wonder why not all thousand of them. Yeah. I guess those how many wives yeah. he had and concubines. But well, oh, go ahead. No, but yeah, that's the idea. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking about it in. You know, Saul is a mess, but Jonathan isn't. How does that happen in the same household where a guy is a mess? Because I've listened to multiple podcasts that are suggesting Saul never actually followed Yahweh, hmm. and I and I can and there was actually a really good case when I thought that through. I was like whoa, that yeah. is super interesting to me. And I'm not totally into that yet. I'm just thinking it through going, man, that's a really interesting concept. And if that's the case, then how in the world is Jonathan so committed to Yahweh? At the same time, David is is committed to Yahweh. David's a mess. I mean, in many parts of his life, we would not honor. You know, he's murderous. He acts like a crazy person. So there's a, there's an element of deceit to him. He, you know, there's clearly the Bathsheba thing, but then he's got multiple wives and multiple concubines, there's there's issues there, and then his sons seem to take that worst part of him and then throw it in, right? So mm-hmm. you've got Absalom, you've got uh, you know Adonijah, uh, Adonijah, Adonijah, you've got all these these sons that just do not do what 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 God would be honored by, and even Solomon becoming king is kind of a weird sidestep. You know, David is old, and Bathsheba comes in and basically is like, "You promised the kingdom to my son, so give it to him now," and he then passes this message on to Solomon in in the first Chronicles passage that we looked at on Sunday. But the, the idea here is this, how in the world can one be walking with the Lord and be, be such a mess? I think that's one piece of it. And then second, how do we ensure that we actually pass this on to our kids? And part of what I think through is there is no guarantee. I think you can create a good ecosystem or a good, you know, environment for your children to grow up in where they're probably going to be pointed toward the ways of God in some ways, but you're not ultimately responsible for their decision-making. You're not ultimately responsible for whether they're going to follow the Lord or not. And that's a really heavy burden for parents to carry, I think.
1: Yeah. I think that, as a parent, that kind of blows me away. And Chris, you're a little bit closer to this than I am with just the age of our children. But, sure. Like, I can't imagine any of my kids not wanting to follow Jesus. Right. Right. Uh, You know, Francis Chan has uh, a I don't know if it was a sermon or a training that I saw where he was talking about one of his kids was kind of wrestling with that. And he's like, man, I, I prayed to God and I said, God, I will walk through any sin challenge with my kid. You know, if my kid gets into drugs or drinking or sex or any, you know, any of these kinds of things. But God, just please let them love you. I was like, man, that is such my heart as a parent. Like, I'm I'm willing to walk through any challenge, but that one. But then I know a lot of great people who are great parents and their kids aren't following Jesus. And then I know a lot of people who really aren't great parents or aren't following Jesus as parents, but then their kids come mm-hmm. to know Jesus. And so it's, it's yeah, how do you process that, this moving forward by passing back? Like, we need to be intentional as parents. There's a, a biblical mandate to be the right type of parent who sure. trains up your children. There are proverbs about that. We know it's a proverb. It's not a promise, right? Train up your child in the way you go. Right. And even when he's old, he will not depart from them. But then, so there's like this heavy burden on parenting. Right. But then there's also this like release of control that I I am called to do something really hard and be very intentional with my mm-hmm. kids, but I'm not in control of them.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, That's like, the burden, and it's brutal. If you think about that, that, that is so overwhelming because you feel complete responsibility, but yet you have no responsibility. Yeah, that, It's a weird place to live. And I think even just us admitting that on the podcast, I think will be helpful for some people to go, you know, they're listening to this sermon series about parenthood, and they're going, well, I, I don't know that I did a good job. My kids are all rebelling against the yeah. Lord. I have some amazing disciple-making friends who are some of the best trainers on this idea that I know. And yet they have kids that have totally walked away from the Lord. Right. There's, you know, there's very famous examples of, you know, John Piper's son is one of the most outspoken critics of Christianity. He's brutal about yeah. what he's one talking of, about. One
1: of his kids. And then one yeah. of his kids is,
0: is yeah. remarkably not, you right. know. And, and there's no, you can't, and they both grew up in the same environment. Yeah. Same household. Same parent, same same devotion to God, and, and I'm saying John Parper was, was devoted to God completely. It's not like one of his kids saw John slip up and, you know, right. in the middle of that, there's a, there's a deep repentance in him, and he's just a man of, after God's own heart. And And then John probably does that better even than David does in some ways, and yet his kids don't both follow the Lord. So what do you do with that? I think you do the best you possibly can. You You're faithful to the Lord. You trust him. You walk with him. You pray about it a lot, and then you trust him to ultimately do what he's going to do. And then back to that idea of the chosen, even sometimes what God is going to do is he's going to choose people to do his purposes. But ultimately, even if you never, quote, get called up, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to be faithful to what God's calling you to do.
1: Right. And like I mentioned toward the end of the sermon, um, you know, we are we're called to do this hard thing, to be intentional parents. But we also are not called to do that on our own power. Right. Because that's what David tells Solomon when he's. you know, at the the second half of that passage in uh, First Chronicles 28, yeah. 19, or is it 20 and 21? Yeah, at the end there, he's like, and God will be with you. Mm-hmm. Like, if you continue to do this, you know, be strong and do it. Here's the call. It's really hard. It gives them all the specifications for the temple. Be strong and do it, and God will be with you. So there's kind of both this, like, work really hard, but also you're not working on your own power. And that's a That's an interesting tension, the way that God has created us and designed us that we are to try really hard, but also not trust ourselves. And that's, man, yeah, what is the, uh, I'll read the verse here. Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Like, hey, you got to go do it, but God is with you. Mm -hmm. And what a, yeah, what an interesting... Uh, you know, tension to live in. But that's, that's, you know, much of our Christian life is called to live in
0: tension. Yeah, and I think that's the encouragement that we're given, right? Is this idea of disciple-making is an impossible task. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. He does what he's going to do. Let's trust him.